Ahoy and welcome to the Mojo Podcast, part of Mike's Open Journal. Here we're going to be talking about mental health and that includes all things illness, wellness, stigma and support and most importantly some of your very own personal stories. We're going to be covering projects, campaigns, starting conversations and mentioning some of those tools that have supported your well-being. I want to say thanks for being part of the podcast, whether that's as a guest, as a listener, hopefully as a subscriber. I'm Mike, and while I'm being mindfully mindless, hopefully myself and my amazing guests will be able to show you that you're not alone out there. Thank you for being part of the Mojo Podcast. These are real people, they do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves, I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds, and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. I don't think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to like it, Mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, And then they want to talk about it. Hello and welcome to the Mojo Podcast and to episode 155. Hope you've had a great week and you are enjoying doing whatever it is you're doing at the moment. Thank you so much for continuing to be part of the podcast and support in whatever way you can, whether that's downloading, uh, listening, subscribing or sharing the episodes as we go. I hope you've had a good three weeks or it's been, been about three weeks. Um, we've had a little bit of a break. Uh, if you follow the blog, you would have known I've just moved so that's kind of partly the reason why there's been a little bit of a break. Um, Hopefully you've also picked up on the last couple of episodes that have gone up on slightly random dates so the last episode will have been the 13 reasons why season 3 episode so make sure you go back and listen to that one if you haven't caught it already. Although most of you should have if you're subscribed you would have obviously got that automatically. But today uh, I'm delighted to bring you another new guest. Um, the recent move has also proved kind of an opportunity to have this guest on as well. Um, well, that's what I'm going to fall back on, on why they've not been on before. Uh, so this is my special guest that I will have mentioned to you on a couple of previous episodes, um, but not sort of said who it was. So today, uh, I'm delighted to have Laura on the podcast for the first time. So we're going to sit down and have a chat about a few different things and hear a little bit more about Laura uh, as we go through the episode, you might pick up that there's possibility, and it is a possibility, um, that Laura might come back in the future as well for um, some further conversations. I have had to throw her out of the room to record the intro because I just can't take it um, with someone watching me record this part. But um, it really was uh, it was lovely to sit down and have a conversation. It was slightly surreal in that it's a conversation we've had a number of times in the past, but this is the first time that we're kind of sitting down and recording it. Um, 
but there's some really kind of insightful stuff there there's some really interesting um i think points of view and they definitely echo some of the previous conversations that we've had on the podcast as well so let me know uh what you think of this episode i'm crossing my fingers that you enjoy it but also you know not too much we don't want her to be too keen and want to come back every week um but yes hopefully you enjoy this episode please do obviously send the feedback uh, and info as always and again if you are interested in being on the podcast yourself in the future you can always find all of the information at mikesopenjournal.com and there is a page with information for potential guests as well now so it tells you about all of the stuff to consider uh but i want to say thank you for yeah thank you for downloading this episode i hope you enjoy it um i'm gonna drop you into the audio in a moment um but i i also want to say that this was a um it was a different episode this is i think the third or fourth one i've recorded kind of face to face with someone rather than over skype um and it's a different type of conversation but it's also the conversation that i guess we're encouraging more of of you to go away and have in the future as well to to have those conversations with the people that are in your lives whether that's a loved one a family member a friend um or a colleague and just sit down and and have a chat um and i think that's one of the really big things I took away from from this conversation is, yeah, obviously there's some great stuff in there, and obviously you should listen to the whole episode at least twice. But um, a lot of it is stuff that we've kind of we've had parts of these conversations before, and we will continue to have them in the future. And I think for me, and I hopefully for Laura, um, that's a really important thing for both of us is that we we are having these conversations. Uh, on an ongoing basis our our thoughts and our experiences will change over time and just because we've had this conversation once doesn't mean we won't have it again Um, if anything the fact we've had it once means we are more likely to to have it again Um, but yes I hope you enjoy this episode Um, uh, if there's any information that you would like in the future about coming on as I said you can find that over on the website but for now uh, I hope you enjoy it and remember you're not alone out there so I'm just going to ask you about how your day or, well, how, how your week is might be a, a bit adventurous because we've done quite a lot of stuff. So how was your day today? Very nice. I lazed in bed. I got up, said hello to the cats, fed the cats, mm. stopped them fighting several times. <laughs> Sounds very cat-orientated. Cats. <laughs> <laughs> well, I live with you now, so of course my life has become cat-orientated. <laughs> What about this afternoon? Have you done anything different this afternoon that's meant you got to be away from the cats? I went out the house and um, uh, went to see my best friend and she was just at home tidying and looking after her children. So I just watched her tidy and we just chatted about everything and nothing. That's quite nice to have someone that you can talk to and have that kind of open conversation with yeah. I guess and are there conversations in the past you think you've had with um, that friend that have been particularly useful to you yeah most conversations almost every conversation is very useful <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know we said before about like kind of what we were going to talk about and it's a little bit weird because we're actually sat next to each other rather <laughs> really than <weird. laughs> not recording it over Skype like as usual um <laughs> But I don't know if you want to kind of introduce yourself a little bit and, oh. and tell us a little bit about yourself. You're not going to introduce me? No, no. Oh, unbelievable. 
rude. Oh, hello. Okay. That's weird because I'm sort of talking to you. <laughs> oh, okay. Hello. Listeners in podcast land. Hello. You refer to your listeners? Uh, just as listeners or people. Oh. Not, they don't have a special name. Do your listeners in podcast land? Yeah, okay. Oh. Uh, I like listening to the Adam Buxton podcast. And he calls his listeners the podcats. Oh, okay. okay Any reason why? No, just like, hey, podcats. Oh, okay. Yes, oh. Yes. Um, what was the question? Oh, who am I? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing we have any conversations at all that we both got on tangents every I five know. minutes. Me in particular. Uh, my name's Laura. And now... Uh, I'm your girlfriend. Oh, that's a nice introduction, nice. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we've said about sitting down and recording a podcast for a little while now. Mm. Um, it's never quite happened, and I think we both put it off a little bit to some extent. We both. We... Uh, just going to correct him there, dear listeners of Podcast Land. <laughs> I've mentioned it a few times. It's always been somebody else uh, uh. higher up on the list, apparently. <laughs> Well, today we finally sat down. <laughs> uh, can't quite tell yet whether this is the last time we're going to do this. <laughs> or whether there'll be many more in the future. <laughs> um, but uh, I think there's some interesting stories and experiences that we've shared. Um, and I think there's a lot of kind of conversation um, in that. And you're talking about your own experience, but also your experience being in a relationship with someone that struggles with mm. a mental health illness as well so um i don't know if you want to give the guys a kind of an introduction a little bit more to um kind of your insights to mental health and well-being um so i've always had anxiety i wasn't diagnosed till i was about about 19 when i went to the doctor about something different about a physical health issue and she said are you an anxious person I was like not really and she said mm, I think you might be <laughs> and then my mum was in the room and I looked at her and she went yes you are <laughs> so because <laughs> she knows me better than I know myself <laughs> um so that was um kind of a diagnosis but looking back I've had anxiety since I was born I think I've had I had separation anxiety as a child. We would label it as separation anxiety now. Um, and it's always been there. And then I was diagnosed with clinical depression and um, social phobia and generalised anxiety disorder. A little cocktail. Uh, when I was 22, which was a bit late in the day. I think I'd suffered from depression probably since I was about 14 probably my first memory of it so I kind of have personal experience and then I also work as a primary school teacher so unfortunately we're seeing more and I teach reception so therefore we're seeing more and more mental health issues coming in with younger and younger children so I kind of have that as well so there's a I guess a big part of of your life has been involved in uh, whether that's an illness or symptoms kind of related to mental health and I think when we've spoken before there's a, a lot of awareness I guess now mm. so particularly when you're working and talking to younger people 
Um, you're aware of maybe some of those symptoms and I think maybe families are a little bit more aware as Mm. well. So we're having those conversations, which Mm. is great, but it doesn't necessarily change the environment that we grew up in or our experience. Mm. Um, I think when you're talking about particularly that sort of 14 to 20 year old Mm. Laura, that's a really formative time, um, to be experiencing those symptoms. Um, like how do you think that's kind of led into you being who you are or the way that you um manage your life at the moment oh yeah i mean you can't i don't think anybody could have those experiences of um acute mental illness and not be changed and shaped by it and for it not to shape your view of the world and particularly i think your view of other people as well um i think before I had a mental breakdown when I was 22 it was my first year of teaching and my dad was working away in Amsterdam um, for most of the week so it was just me and mum at home and I was just sad all the time and mum said we need to go to the doctor so she took me to the doctor and um, it wasn't a particularly helpful GP unfortunately which is often an unfortunate um, experience I think of a lot of people that GPs can be a bit hit and miss mm. not and through their fault I don't think it's, there's no money or training for them as such um, but that's when I got diagnosed and then went on antidepressants and into therapy but it was a bit too late really and I just spiralled and the job was so hard I was working in a really tough school and uh and then by Easter, I've got a release from my contract. My school were great though. I've heard a, um, I've, I've watched a Ruby Wax TED talk. Mm. I love her. Love her. <laughs> um, <laughs> where she says about um, if you have a broken leg, you people send you flowers. If you've just had a baby, people send you cards. Mm. But if there's something wrong with your head, people just just tell you to cheer up and get on with it. But the first school I was working in, when I went off sick for a month and a half with stress and depression, they sent me Get Well Soon flowers and a Get Well Soon card from the whole staff. And I think that's quite unusual mm. and a really lucky experience that I had. I don't know whether it's working in schools. I think there's a bit more awareness of caring, because that's what we're there for, really, and general well-being that we do for our children. So the, be- the better schools, anyway that bleeds through to your staff um so I think that experience of having a mental breakdown and then subsequently becoming suicidal and having a day when it was a Tuesday weirdly and I was at home and I remember it like it was yesterday and actually I hope I never forget that day because I think that's really shaped me but also like I said, how I view other people because that's that thing of you never know what other people are facing, so treat them properly. Mm. And also, I've known people, relatives of mine who have um, mental health diagnoses. I know um, somebody who um, suffers with schizophrenia, and before I'd kind of looked at them and only seen their diagnosis. Do you know what I mean? Mm as opposed to seeing them as a person 
Whereas I think after my issues and my uh, health decline and subsequent recovery, I thought I don't want people to look at me and just think she's got depression or she's anxious all the time. So I think it made me rethink how I view people if I know they've got a mental health illness, particularly something like bipolar or schizophrenia or anorexia, which is quite a... um, I don't know, we can all suffer a little bit from being a bit sad mm. and that sometimes in those of us who have a propensity to it can bleed into having depression if our brains fire that way. But I think some mental illnesses like schizophrenia or bipolar, I don't know, they seem a bit, I don't want to use the word worse because that's not the right word, but do you know what I mean? They're kind mm. of, they need more specific care and specific treatment and I just think yeah I just I realise I, I can't just see those people as their diagnosis because mm. we are all more than what's in our heads I think it's that side that you're very much talking about of I guess that understanding of general well-being mm. is that actually like you say a lot of people will be affected by some of the symptoms of a mental health illness whether they've got that diagnosis and mm. that illness or not there will be times when we feel particularly anxious or low that doesn't necessarily mean we have anxiety or depression. Yeah. But we can be affected by that. Um, and I think uh, I've mentioned before uh, in one of the other episodes where we spoke about schizophrenia, I think, and we were talking about how um, some people would call that more serious or more severe mm. and whether that's actually a language that we feel comfortable mm. with. Um, and I said I prefer complex. And I was like, because... Oh, yeah. Um, I said everyone's got their own thing and it. Mm. It's whether or not you feel that matters mm. I said but I have known people that have died by suicide because of depression yeah. and so I can't understand how something can be more severe yes. than that yeah. um, so in my mind yeah, it's that idea of it's more complex because less people have it we know less about it it seems more difficult to treat and understand um, and so there does need to be that recognition that illnesses like schizophrenia are more complex mm. than say depression or anxiety mm. um, and part of that is because those illnesses are more common at the moment and so mm. there is more research and more resources invested in that yeah. we probably still say that's not enough but there is definitely more there than there is for some of those other illnesses as well mm. um, I know one thing that you mentioned that we've kind of touched on in previous conversations as well is the idea of um, that kind of school environment as a professional environment mm. and how difficult and challenging that can be mm. um whether you have a, a mental health illness or not actually it's often a, a workplace that's very much misunderstood in terms of the pressures that are put on particular people mm. um and i just wonder whether you think is that something that we see there's maybe a, awareness growing around that but is much changing in terms of the support that you feel um not necessarily just you but mm. teachers in general are given um no, I don't think there's enough support at all. I think um, there's a real lack of understanding of why the job is hard. Because a lot of people think it's a lot of paperwork, that's why teachers moan. Or it's the behaviour of the children. But it's really, it's really complex and different and there's lots of different facets of the job that make it incredibly difficult and I think the well-being of teachers needs to be more, uh, 
I think highlighted rather than just our workload because it's not necessarily just all the jobs I have to do in a day which is countless and I never get them all done because that's impossible but it's the mental and emotional toll it takes because I am responsible for 30-ish uh, young people or children's education but also uh, their emotional well-being and particularly where I teach the younger children when they're first year of school I, I am part teacher half parent really and I spend my time teaching them how to go to the toilet sometimes or how to blow their nose or giving out loads of cuddles because they're all upset um, and well not all of them hopefully that would be <laughs> <laughs> that's a really bad day remind <laughs> <Blimey>. me <laughs> because some of them are upset <laughs> <laughs> but and more and more we're seeing more complex and difficult behavior from our youngest children and more emotional needs and it's a tricky one because um mental health in very young children is not really something in my experience anyway that's much explored or talked about mainly because they haven't developed their brains yet so there was a question over can children that young have mental health illnesses mm. or is it just that their brains they're still developing until you're about seven years old you haven't actually finished your early stages of development yet so all of that responsibility and the accountability i have is on my shoulders of um the academic progress the well-being the personal the social emotional development of these children that's all on that's, that's my neck and it's definitely is a unfortunately uh in this kind of world of um data driven teaching where if your numbers aren't good enough you don't get a pay rise mm. but you know you're saying yeah but i have a, a four-year-old who's essentially self-harming in my classroom which i've experienced mm. i've had tables upended i've had a five-year-old call me the most hideous swear words i can think of oh but they haven't made progress they they're not writing enough or you know they, they don't know their numbers to 20 and sorry their dad's just gone to prison i think we need to focus on that more a little bit more right now than mm. the fact that they don't know their number bonds to 10 um but that's not what i'm marked on you mm. know and i think it's that takes a real toll on teachers and there isn't really a social understanding of what that does to us and therefore there isn't the support really that we should have i don't mm. know what they would look like mm. um but a lot of i did see a a thing i don't know if it's a meme maybe i don't mm. know uh going around on facebook about um uh introducing um increasing your well-being among your staff and um oh wow you can increase our pay or um, increase funding or do all these things and the head teachers just say no we'll just hey just do yoga <laughs> 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 well, i worked in a school where the head teacher came around and said hey do you want to do yoga <laughs> i lived that meme it was crazy it's <laughs> not gonna fix it it's like well it's like when you tell somebody you have 
a clinical mental health illness and they say, oh, just go for a run. You'll be fine. Hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, that might be nice, <laughs> but that's not going to cure anything or fix anything or actually do any impact at all. You're not actually getting to the root cause of the issue there. Um, so, yeah, it's a really, it's a really difficult one. Hmm, a tricky one. Tricky. Uh, and I think what we're going to do is we're going to have, uh, for the first time, I think we're going to have short breaks in this episode, just so we, we can move around That's a little exciting. bit. I've hurt my back. Dear <laughs> listeners in podcast land, I'll talk to you nicely. <laughs> <laughs> You'll all want me on again, whether he does or not, I don't know. But I need to just get up and move about. <laughs> so we're going to have a short break. Um, it's going to be very, very short for you. And then we'll be right back. I was thinking whether or not to tell you what I was thinking of the next question being before I press record. <laughs> I was like, nah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think in in that first bit, we really got an insight into, I guess, like your your past experience um, with kind of mental health illnesses and symptoms, yeah. um, and getting that insight into, I guess, your professional life. Mm-hmm. Um, and potentially really dangerously now I'm going to ask you about your personal life <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um, and whether you feel kind of that experience has been uh, not whether it has maybe in which way you feel that's been useful or not useful um, kind of in your personal life either with relationships or in your living environment or uh, I feel like I want to ask questions but I also even worry about the answers <laughs> Go for it. Um, Go on. So, uh, I guess (laughs) I'm asking, do you feel like your experience with um, mental health, and particularly mental health illness, Mm. um, has affected your relationships as an adult? Um, I'd say no. Uh, Yes, oh, I don't know, actually. Yes and no. I think uh, it can't not affect everything, so therefore yes. Negatively, I say no, mm. but I think I am a great talker. Never used to be until I did therapy. I used to bottle um, my dad really. I bottle things up, not talk about anything, because that's then that makes it real. Because mm. it kind of some it's in someone else's head. Then all the time it's in my head, it's, it's, it's locked away. And then when you do therapy, you have to talk to someone. And I don't over the phone, I did it with iTalk, which I know a lot of people, I've had lots of people say they have really bad experiences of iTalk. Personally, mine was really good. I guess I got a therapist that clicked quite well with, and I did it over the phone so I could do it in the safety of my own bedroom, which was Mm. really important. It was while I was sick um, and I just got my diagnosis, so when I was 22. And over the course of that, having the mental breakdown and becoming suicidal, she was, that was when I had the, the therapy. Um... And that taught me the power of talking because you'd, she'd ring up and she'd say, how are you? <laughs> and I'd say, when we first started, I would tell her, oh, fine, how are you? <laughs> like, she's not a social call. <laughs> like, she's not just ringing. Checking in. <laughs> so, hey. um, she, she'd be like, okay, yeah, I'm fine. Now, what, like, what's going on? And just left it. And you had to, I had to talk. I couldn't mm. not do this a purpose of what the phone call's for. So that taught me the power of talking. My mum... Also, my parents have been a, a big influence on me. They're my, um, up until you, my most important relationship. Mm. Obviously, mm. you are now. 
obviously, dear <laughs> listeners in podcast land. Um, <laughs> um, but my mum is a great talker and um, a sharer. Some might say an oversharer. Um, we've had our moments of my dad just holding his slightly embarrassed <laughs> hands over his face um, because she wants to share something again. And um, I was gonna, I was gonna share an example, but she might listen to this, so I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> Although she probably just find it funny, <laughs> but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'll tell you later. Um, so yeah, so she had the value of sharing, and my my grandpa, um, who's no longer with us, he always said a problem shared is a problem halved, and you just talk about it and it helps. Um, so because of those experiences and those people in my life, I've grown to understand that being honest about how you feel is really important. So because I'm very honest, then my relationships are quite authentic, I think. And people that don't respect that or mm. don't like me, I, 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 I don't have any time for that. Um, so I think... My experiences of mental health illnesses have been have affected relationships, but I think in a really good way because mm. I have no. I've always been very confident about talking about it. I'll just I'll just tell anyone, and if it if it comes up in the conversation, I'm gonna say something, and if it doesn't come up in the conversation, I will find a way of saying something because um, I feel quite strongly that part of the stigma around mental health illnesses is talking about it because we don't like to talk about things in our society and I think those of us who have experiences currently or in the past have a duty to share as much as we can and as somebody who is really confident to talk about it and will just tell anyone and I don't care what, how people judge me for it mm. I think I sort of have a it's my responsibility to talk as much as I can for all those people who are not able to share because for one reason or another they just feel ashamed or embarrassed or judged and so although I don't speak for them I kind of feel like on their behalf I will share my story mm. and my current illness in order to do my part in breaking down those barriers and I think my closest relationships um, have been hugely impacted in the best way because I'll just talk and talk and talk. I think that's a really good way of kind of, I guess, utilising that experience. And I think one thing that's really interesting is um, when you were talking about kind of being honest about your experience and about talking about that. Um, and we've spoken before about how I kind of said you've got this um, kind of circle of people around you that you're really, really close with and mm -hmm. have really strong relationships with and I, I saw something online today that kind of made me sort of think about how that maybe sort of fits in with some of the relationships that I see that you have that are very different from some of the relationships that I have mm. um, and it was, uh, it was a lady talking about how we kind of manage relationships uh, particularly friendships and she was talking about how we always tried to please people and make ourselves acceptable and so we're always trying to find a way to be sort of a seven out of ten for people. Um, and she's like, you're always trying to be accepted. And so you can never have that ten out of ten because you're never being completely open or completely honest. 
Um, you're always holding back because you're judging what's going to be acceptable to that person or what they're going to be willing to hear. Um, so you, you, you're happy to be like, mm. I'll just share like mm. 70% mm-hmm. rather than sharing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really interesting because I thought that's maybe, there have been a few different examples that I've used, I guess, when we've had this conversation. But I thought that was a really nice one of um, the, the relationships and the friendships that you have that are really close are all really built on honesty and openness mm-hmm. they're not always built on um having the same thoughts or experiences or even values but it's built on that kind of mutual respect mm-hmm. um and openness and i think that's a really interesting thing to to think of and just accept actually some people will will not be ready to hear this maybe um or not want to hear it and that's completely okay that's their decision i would say mm-hmm. um but the people that I want to talk to and engage with are going to be happy to hear this mm. and have a dialogue, even if they disagree. Yeah, I think my my closest friendship, particularly with my best friend, who she'll love that I'm talking about her, obviously. <laughs> Hi, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> she and I talk about anything and anything and everything, mm. and. Um, we both have a depression. We're both on the same crazy pills because you know we have to do the same thing all the time. Um, and we tell it everything, absolutely everything. There's no holes barred really when it comes to her and I. And then also my other close friendships, I think, are always built on a um, yeah. I think a mutual understanding of of we're going to be honest about myself and if you don't like that then that's your problem not mine mm. so I'm not going to I always used to people please I had a massive hang up about people judging me and people not liking me and that's not necessarily quite gone away but I think I'm less bothered particularly by the people that care about me because I know they care about me so mm. that if I say something they don't like it's perfectly fine because they still like me and it's not the end of the world if we disagree. In fact, it's great if we disagree, really, because that's important. Mm. Um, that's my friendship group... So my life consists of my job and my church and now you. Mm. And the cats. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it may be cats. So it may be bumping up the list. Oh, no. Certainly in the time they take. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Before you, my life was my job and my church mm. and my family. And um, my friendship group is definitely my friends from church. And we see each other every Wednesday evening for our little house group, our little Bible study. Although it's nearly about your life, eating cake, drinking tea, um, occasionally Prosecco, which is always fun. Mm. Um, and then normally reading the Bible and talking about faith in God and what we think. But those are the people I share most with and to the extent where a while ago maybe maybe six months ago uh, I was at my at our friend's house the house group and one of our friends who hadn't who's a he works he's a sailor so he'd been away and he came back and it was in a, ho- a school holiday so I had baked a cake naturally and I'd taken it and um, he said oh Laurie you should do this more often and um, my friend Vicky said, yeah, she used to do this every week. 
And Nick was like, why aren't you doing that every week now? And I said, I did it every week because I wasn't at work because I'd had a mental breakdown because mm. of my depression and I became suicidal. So baking was a way of me helping recover and improving myself. And he was like, okay. <laughs> I was not expecting that answer. <laughs> right. And Nicky went, well, things got serious quite quickly, didn't they? And I was like, well, that is the answer to the question. Mm. Why don't I do this every week? Because I'm at work. Mm. When did I do it? Well, because I had a mental... Like, that's the answer. Yeah. So if that's the answer to the question, I'm going to tell you that that's what it is because we're all very close and that, yeah, take it or leave it. Yeah. Mm. I think there's, I guess there's a few different things that we could kind of delve into a little bit more, whether that's kind of the education around mental health and uh, faith for mental health mm. and, and relationships and stuff as well. But I think for for the first episode, I guess... The first. The first. Hear that, listeners, podcast land? <laughs> for the first one. I think for the first one, maybe, um, <laughs> I guess just to kind of recap a little bit on, on just your experience of where you feel you are now, like we've spoken a lot of that kind of historic experience mm. of mental health, mm. um, where you feel you are now or in the last, I don't know, year or so mm. of of how you feel within yourself and kind of the support systems that are there for you now? Mm. Um, I think a year ago I was good. Um, I was meant to, I, I was like, my mental, I'm stronger than ever. I had an incredibly hard year um, in terms of work. It's been the most stressful I've ever been and I was coping with it mentally really well and I was really happy up until the last two months and it was getting too much and I, my head was like no you've had enough we've had enough you can't just keep going and going and going and going and running on no fuel so uh, I was really struggling at work I had a few conversations with my friends obviously with you mm. with my mum and dad and I decided I went back to the doctor and said, I want to go back on my antidepressants for the first time in five years. And that was a, I didn't really want to do it because, which is ridiculous. And I always think if someone had diabetes, you wouldn't expect them to live life without their insulin. That's ridiculous. And it's exactly the same with your head. It's just chemicals that just need rewiring, just need a, the balance needs to be adjusted in your head. Um, so I went back on the sertraline and I've been on that for about two months now and that's really made a lot of difference. I'm very apprehensive about going back to work because I don't know how it's going to affect me but the people I have around me um, I know have experiences themselves so get what I'm talking about even though depression can manifest itself differently and certainly in both of us mm. our depressions are very different. Mm. Um, so that's been interesting in itself. We could talk about that to the council Um, But I know that the support network is there. I have I have safety nets all over the place, um, which I'm incredibly blessed by. Um, and so yeah, even if I do crash, I know I'll be all right. That's I think really good to hear. Um... <laughs> <laughs> My girlfriend's ill. Yay! Um, I guess it's that side of having a. A real positive around you you don't so much have that negative reaction to actually I'm still affected by this or this has mm. affected me again mm. 
it's very much been, I suppose, a, a, a common sense approach to it. I'm yeah. not sure of actually I've experienced this in the past. I'm starting to experience it again now. Mm. I need that little bit of support and I know it's there. I know mm. it works. I'm going to access that. And then hopefully after a period of time, mm. I then won't need it again. Mm. Um, so I think that's been um, a real positive thing, more so in the reaction to to that need um, and being able to access that support. Mm. I think that's a really positive thing. Uh, and I think even just having had... I mean, we've sat down and discussed this a few times in the past. It just happens that this is the first time we're recording that conversation. <laughs> but um, I think you always talk about it in a very um, uh, kind of reaffirmed, fairly confident, fairly mm. um, educated mm. Um, way. And like you say, there are times when we will disagree about certain mm. things, but that's often based on our experience and the way we have experienced certain symptoms or illnesses yeah. of, is very different. Yeah. And so our our reaction, yeah. I guess, is very different based on that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I suppose that's something to, to maybe talk about in the future. Oh, said it again? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Oi! Don't take it back. They've all heard. They've all heard. This is the first one of yeah, many. Yeah. I'm coming back. Oh, They'll all want me. Oh, demand maybe. it, listeners. Demand it. <laughs> Tweet him. Tweet him. <laughs> Um, so at this point I would usually ask someone about their like social media and website and stuff like that but I think on this occasion don't have those things I do but but not for this I don't have a thing like that Um, and I think Mm. that's that's another I guess positive thing about having this conversation is Mm. you are someone that wants to talk about this but you're you wouldn't I don't think kind of describe yourself as like a an activist or a campaigner no. or anything like that no. you are um just someone that has an experience and um is able to feels able to and wants to share that experience mm. and i think that's a really positive thing for people to take away especially when some people aren't prepared or don't want mm. to or don't feel confident enough to yeah. share their own experience yeah like you said, having people that maybe talk a little bit more from, from their point of view is really yeah. important. So, um, thank you for coming on. You're welcome. <laughs> um, and for sharing your experience. And we might hear from you again in the future. We will. We will. Make it happen, listeners. <laughs> <laughs>